Hi guys, welcome to this week's Unsolved Australia mini-sode. I'm Harry from the True Crime Sisters podcast and I'd like to thank you for joining me today as we have a look at a case that is still yet to be solved. It's important to keep talking about cases like this. If we let them fade away, the odds of them being solved also fades. If we talk about these cases, it may trigger a memory in the right person and put pressure on the perpetrator or someone that has information relating to the crime. That's my goal in producing these mini-sodes. I'm hoping that as our listener base grows, we can get the word out there about these unsolved cases and hopefully keep people talking. Today's case is one that is close to home for me, as it took place not far from where I grew up and I'm very familiar with the area in which it took place. It's a very sad case and until recent years did not receive the same level of publicity as many other similar cases. This week I'm discussing the murders of mother and daughter Margaret and Shauna Tapp that took place all the way back in 1984. On the 8th of August 1984, a widower named Jim, who was a carpenter and former neighbour of Margaret, arrived at her house on Calvin Drive, Fentry Gully, to take her on a date to the opera. Fentry Gully is a suburban area that sits at the foothills of the picturesque Dandenong Ranges in Melbourne. It's your average suburban area. There are nicer, more upmarket areas in the suburb and your more working class area. Overall, it's a nice, safe area. So Margaret State Jim arrived at the home just after 6pm and knocked on the door. There was no answer. He could see that Margaret's car was in the driveway, but nobody was responding to his knocks. Eventually, he gained access to the house via the back sliding door, which had a broken lock. He had a quick look around and noticed that her doona on her bed was raised, giving the impression that there was a person laying underneath. Just for any non-Australian listeners, a doona is our word for a quilt cover. At the time, he assumed Margaret was asleep. He approached the bed and saw that Margaret was there, but as he lifted the doona, he noticed the injuries to her face and neck. He called the police from a neighbour's house. When police arrived, they quickly realised that not only had Margaret Tapp been murdered, but so too had her nine-year-old daughter, Shauna, who lay in her own bed. Jim was not the only person who had approached the house that day, as Margaret and Shauna lay deceased inside. Earlier that morning, a school friend of Shauna's had approached and knocked on the front door to see if Shauna wanted to walk to school with her, but there was no answer. Additionally, the boyfriend of Margaret's sister had also been at the house and noticed a car in the driveway, finding it strange that nobody had answered the door when he knocked. There had also been potential witnesses to what had happened the night before. A neighbour of the Taps had heard muffled screaming just after 11pm and her dog had growled not long after. Another neighbour heard the Taps' spaniel dog barking and growling at around midnight, which was out of character for that dog. Apparently, a red utility was also seen outside of their home earlier that day. It was described as a red Ford ute with 12-slot mag wheels. Both Margaret and Shauna had been asphyxiated and rope fibres had been found on their bodies. Devastatingly, nine-year-old Shauna had also been sexually assaulted. There were also footprints found around the bedroom and bathroom that appeared to belong to Dunlop Volley shoes, which were a very popular shoe at the time. Sadly, Margaret and Shauna left behind son and brother Justin Tapp, who was only 14 years old at the time of the murders and was staying with his grandparents at the time. You can only imagine the guilt and sadness that poor Justin was left with. 
This case did not have a lack of suspects, but actually had the opposite problem. There were just too many suspects. Margaret Tapp was a very beautiful woman who men found very attractive, and she had no shortage of dates since amicably splitting with her ex-husband Donald in 1979. As you would expect, many of these men became suspects in the murders, and it is widely thought that one of her lovers may have killed her and Shauna out of anger about their relationship. The perpetrator was also thought to be familiar with the Tapp family, as there was no sign of forced entry. The perpetrator was either let in the front door or let themselves in the back door, which, as I mentioned before, had a broken lock. It was thought that the perpetrator was someone who was familiar with the house and its layout. The first and most obvious suspect was Jim, the man who found Margaret and Shauna's bodies that evening. He was ruled out, though, and it appears he was just unlucky to have been there that night. Margaret was known to be very beautiful and charismatic, and men noticed. As a nurse and a full-time law student, she met many men, and many of them were interested in her. She had worked at the William Anglis Hospital in Upper Fentry Gully, amongst other nearby hospitals, and she studied at Monash University. One of her lovers was a married doctor that she had met through her work as a nurse. He had actually bought the Ferntree Gully house for her to live in so they could continue their affair with ease. Margaret had engaged in many arguments with his wife and reportedly wanted the doctor to leave his wife to live with her. The doctor died in a car accident in 1983 and Margaret took legal action against the man's wife to secure the Ferntree Gully house as her own. She was eventually given half the house and bought the other half out from the doctor's estate. Early into the investigation, it was thought that perhaps the doctor's family had taken out a hit on Margaret because of the financial issues she had caused the family. However, this was later ruled out. I'm just going to run through a list of the known suspects in the case, just in case it triggers a memory for someone. So another suspect was a 19-year-old boy that Margaret had met at a Melbourne disco in 1983. There's not a lot of information out there about this suspect, unfortunately, except that the two had spent some time together. There was also a notorious family living nearby. One member of this family used to mow Margaret's lawn and was known to make lewd and sexually suggestive comments to women in the area. Unsurprisingly, he was also a suspect in the murders, and many neighbours brought up his name to police along with other members of this family. There was also a former police officer and longtime friend of Margaret who became a suspect after it was revealed that he had previously spent a night with Margaret. She had complained to her sister that he had come on really strong and she was quick to report this after the murders. When this man's car was searched, police found a whip and a length of rope. This man was also reportedly allowed to enter the crime scene after the murders despite not being involved in the investigation of the case. Another suspect was a driving instructor that Margaret had been receiving free driving lessons off. Reportedly, he gave her complimentary lessons just so he could spend time with her. He was later interviewed in front of his wife. Although he told police that he had never been inside her home, his fingerprints were found there. There was also a man with a red ute. This was a friend of Margaret's brother, Lindsay. This man had helped deliver a table to the tap house and obviously had a car that matched the one police were looking for. So obviously, as I previously stated, there's absolutely no shortage of suspects and they all sound pretty viable based on the limited information available. But I also have questions. It seems like all of the above suspects would have their own ridiculous reasons for targeting Margaret Tapp and obviously there's absolutely no excuse to take someone's life. 
But why Shauna and why was Shauna sexually assaulted? To me, this suggests that Shauna was potentially the target for a sexually motivated crime. And this is absolutely speculation on my part, so I just wanted to emphasize that. But the average person isn't attracted to children. Clearly, the killer here was. I think we can safely say that for the killer to be able to violate Shauna as he did, he must have had pedophilic tendencies, whether these were known or not. Otherwise, you would expect Margaret to have been the sexual target. This makes me wonder whether police have explored this angle, and I'm sure they have. Did they explore links to her brownies or girl guide groups? I understand that it's easy to look at Margaret and her active love life and see this as an easy motive for murder, but I'm not so sure. And as I said, this is absolutely speculation, but I did think it was worth mentioning. I just can't get my head around one of Margaret's dates sexually assaulting her daughter. I do apologise for the heavy nature of this episode, but I can't help but think that these disturbing details are potentially more important than Margaret's dating life, which was the main focus in the media. Regardless of why these murders were committed, it's time that the perpetrator of these hideous and heinous crimes was brought to justice. Margaret and Shauna were not the only victims. Margaret's son Justin eventually succumbed to drink and drugs either deliberately or accidentally, but almost certainly due to the pain that he lived after these murders. This is just such a devastating case, and producing this podcast breaks my heart week after week learning about these poor victims, especially when there's no justice for so long. While there was DNA collected in this case, to this day it has not led to any solid arrests. The closest police have come to an arrest was when they ended up admitting there was a mistake caused by a DNA bungle. Issues with the DNA samples in this case mean that even the eliminated suspects are thought to have potentially been incorrectly cleared. From what I've read, it seems like this is just all a bit of a mess. But that doesn't mean that justice will never be found. It's important to remember that relationships change over time. Someone may have told someone what happened that night. There may be information floating around that is the missing piece of the puzzle here. I urge you, if you know something, anything about this case, make the call. The family has suffered for long enough. If you have any information that may assist police with their inquiries, please call Crime Stoppers on 1800 333 000. That's 1800 333 000. Thank you so much for joining me on Unsolved Australia Minisodes. It means a lot to me that there's people out there as passionate as I am about keeping these cases alive and talked about. Make sure if you haven't listened to my other minisodes that you do that because you never know, you could hold the information that helps assist police. If you're not already, make sure you follow me on social media. You can chat to me and request cases through the True Crime Sisters Facebook, Twitter or Instagram or email me at truecrimesisters at gmail.com. Thank you so much for joining me and make sure you tune in for our regular episode later in the week. Thank you.